0: Amen. 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 Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. This is one of the most precious passages in the Bible, and it's on my heart constantly. And tonight I want to bring a message called, Launch Out into the Deep. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret, now that's the beautiful sea of Galilee that... Brother Robert sang about a while ago, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the boat. Now when he had ceased speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering, said unto him, Master, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners who were in the other boat that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fish which they had taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. All of us are familiar with John chapter 21, the epilogue to John's gospel, where a similar story to this is told after the resurrection. Peter had gone fishing, and the Lord came and fixed breakfast for them. And they saw the Lord on the shore. And somebody said, hey, Peter, that's that's the Lord. And Peter was ashamed, and he got back in the lake because he was naked. And that was after he had denied the Lord. And there came those three haunting questions to Simon. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And finally, broken in heart, Simon said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. But you don't get the whole message of that 21st chapter, John, if you don't realize the words for love that were being used. Jesus said, Simon, do you have agape for me? And John and, and, and Peter said, Lord, I have phileo for you. And again the Lord said, Peter, do you have agape, God's love for me? Peter again said, Lord, I have phileo for you. And then the Lord used Peter's word, and he said, Peter. Do you have phileo for me? Fellowship kind of love, is that it? And Peter was broken in heart. He knew what the Lord was saying. It just broke his heart. He said, Lord, that's all I'm capable of. I have fellowship love for you. And Jesus said, then follow me. Follow me. Now here, the Lord has come to the disciples. They fished all night. They were good fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They were craftsmen, professionals at it. And they caught nothing. They fished all night, and they didn't catch anything. I don't know whether it means they didn't catch anything. That's what the Scripture says. What a discouragement. you imagine going out and fishing all night long and not catching anything and being a professional at it? and have to face the crowd the next morning. They say, how many fish did you catch? I said, well, I'm sorry I didn't catch a thing. you imagine the embarrassment of such a thing? Now, I, I take that literally. That's what the Lord is saying here and what those disciples meant. Some have told, tried to tell me, well, they caught a little bit, but in comparison to what they usually catch, they didn't catch much. I think the Scripture says they didn't catch anything. They fished all night long, didn't catch anything. And the Lord said cast over there, launch out into the deep, and cast over there. And they said, Lord, we've done it this all night. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Nevertheless, at thy word. Doesn't that bless your heart? Amen. They were professionals. They knew what they were doing. But they said, nevertheless, Lord, at thy word, we'll do it. And they cast the net. Jesus said, now you put the nets over there. And they didn't take the Lord seriously. It took them a long time to find out who Jesus was and how seriously to take him. And so they took their little net that they'd been using all night long. Jesus said, take the nets. Cast out into the deep. Go over there. And they took their little net, put it out there, and all of a sudden it was just so filled with fish that the net began to break. course, they didn't do what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, take the nets and cast out there. They were obeying him to the letter of the word, but they were making their own interpretation of what he was saying. And they thought he was saying, well, you've fished all night, you've used this net, go over there and cast out into the deep and, cast, and put that net out there. Jesus didn't say that. He said, put your nets over there. And when they put that little net over there, they caught so many fish that their net broke. Now this is a lesson in just simply obeying the Lord, just obeying the Lord, taking him at his word and obeying him. And Jesus said, launch out into the deep. Now, I believe there's a message here for us. If you are a fisherman and God, through this text, speaks to you about the shabby way you've been fishing, and he says, now, you go out a little bit deeper into Barren River. You go out into the reservoir or go out to Nolan and go a little bit deeper and cast in your nets, and God seems to say that to you through this message, then you do that. But I believe there's a spiritual application in this message. And though historically that literally happened, well, I believe it, I believe down through the years, God has been using that text to challenge Christians to go deeper To go on with God and not be content to just be in the little pool and cast in just a little net and to work in shallow water, but to go deeper, to go on with God. And so I want to suggest several things and make this a challenge to our church tonight, a challenge to every believer, a challenge to every unbeliever a challenge to every one of us here, a challenge to the preacher, and to the deacons, and to the teachers, and to the choir, and to every officer, and every member, and everybody who has never been saved. Launch out into the deep. First of all, in prayer. Launch out into the deep in prayer. If you'll turn a few pages in your Bible, look at Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 9. And Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that, seek, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them? But ask him. To them, but ask him. Ask, and it shall be given you. How puny our prayers are how poverty-stricken our prayers are. Now, there are several kinds of prayers. I believe in praying for the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. I believe it's possible to pray in the will of God for a yes answer. I think it's brazen and insulting to God for us to go to every room in a hospital, everybody that comes through those faith-healing lines, everybody that's sick, and say to every one of them, I'm going to pray that God will heal you right now and I command in the name of Jesus that you be healed. I don't believe that anybody can do that. I don't believe that's God's will. We first have to find out what God's will is. Seek the will of God. Find out what God wants. It isn't always God's will to heal if it were, nobody would ever die. We had a very sick lady in our church a number of years ago. She's gone now to be with the Lord. She called me on the phone one night and she said, I wish you'd come and visit me. She said we had some people come by and they stood around my bed and prayed for me to be healed and they said if I had enough faith that I would be healed and that the reason I was sick is because I didn't have enough faith. I went by to see her. I knelt down on my knees and asked God to give us the answer, the will of God, the mind of Christ. I said to that dear lady, now you seek the mind of Christ, and I will too, and find if it is God's will for a healing to take place. She's gone to be with the Lord. I went to visit the hospital one night and, a man that I had witnessed to for years, he gave his heart to Jesus. He was dying of lung cancer. The lady, his wife asked me to pray that he'd be healed. He was in the final stages of lung cancer. And I went and stood by his bed and witnessed to him, talked with him, encouraged him, prayed with him, read the Bible to him. And his wife didn't like what I prayed. She said, you didn't, you didn't claim healing for him. I said, well, you have to get that from God before you can claim it. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. There must be that that touch of faith both in his heart and my heart and your heart that God will, that it is the will of God for him to be healed right now. I said, with all due respect and love, I can't pray like that because we can't play with our prayers. She said, all right, I'll call somebody else. I was still there. She called a holiness preacher. And he came up in that room and stood by that man. And he commanded the the demons to leave. And he commanded that that man be well. And he claimed healing in Jesus' name right now. And that woman was satisfied, liked it. We went out in the hall. And I said to that preacher, did you get that from God? He said, what do you mean? I said, did you get from God that God was going to heal that man tonight and you could claim it like that in faith? Oh, he said, preacher, you get, you get too serious about that. I said, I'm, we can't play with prayer. The man died that night. I'm saying to you, we need to launch out in the deep in prayer, but we need to couch our prayers in the will of God in the plan and purpose of God. Find out what God's will is. Seek His direction. I think there are times when you can stand by someone who is dying and you can claim because God gives you that authority and that faith and you can claim a healing and God does it. I think there are other times when you can stand there and you need to pray, oh God, show us the will of God about this. Show us thy mind about this. Show us the will and the purpose of eternal God about this. And God will show you, and you dare not go beyond what God shows you. But I think those are extreme cases. Most of us don't pray. We say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. Or like the man who was so tired, he wrote a little note to God and pinned it up over his bed, and every night when he'd climb in bed, he'd look up and say, Lord, them's my sentiments. And that was his prayer life. Now I believe God wants us to pray. Amen. And we need to launch out in the deep in prayer. This church needs to be covered in prayer all the time, all of our people, all of us. I think you need to cover the preacher and the deacons and the teachers and the workers. I think one reason God blessed this mission team to Texas, every time anybody got together this last week, They prayed for God's hand upon that team and for safety on the road and for God's power in giving the gospel there and God blessed. God bless you. We need to do that all the time. There needs to be a 24-hour covenant prayer in this place where some people have a prayer chain and get in direct contact with God and pray the power of God upon the services, on the visitation, on the choir, on the teachers, on everything we do and on our mission program. And God will honor it. If ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Oh, God, help us to be a praying people. To pray because everything depends upon God. And then to put into effect in our feet and in our hands what we prayed because God will not do for man what man can do for himself. But he'll give us the power and the authority and the faith to do it. Launch out into the deep in praying, in praying for souls to be saved, in praying for folks to be healed, in praying for God's power in the Sunday school classes, in the bus ministry, praying for God to call out others into the Lord's vineyard, praying for all missionaries who serve in tough, difficult places around this world. You think of Jim McKinley and Betty over in Bangladesh. Dear servants of God who have literally given their lives over in that, mich- in that country that used to be Pakistan, now it's Bangladesh, and the Christian community there is such a minute group. And in, 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 a, in a little land area smaller than Wisconsin, there are placed millions and millions of people. I talked to Jim after his first furlough. He was a little discouraged. He and I went to college together he said, we haven't started any churches, haven't seen anybody saved. I heard somebody sort of make fun of that and say, well, they go over and do it right. They'd get people saved. Jim and I prayed. And, of course, hundreds of others were praying. I said, Jim, you've been trying to reach the Muslims. There are a lot of Hindus in that country. Why don't you try to reach the Hindus for a while? And just ask God to touch their hearts. He went back on that second missionary tour and he began a ministry to the Hindus and the Hindus had an open heart because people were praying all over the Southern Baptist Convention. They were praying for that work. And he began to touch Hindus' hearts. You heard him when he was here the other, a few week months ago before he went back and he told about the scores of churches that have opened and hundreds of people getting saved. To God be the glory. I believe the answer is prayer. Pray for Takalana OI in Japan. Pray for our precious missionaries in Quito, Ecuador. They've had a government upset and a political problem down there. And I believe if we'll cover Larry and Becky Doyle in prayer, that dear couple walked down the aisle of this church. Larry was baptized in this baptistry. He is ours in a very special way. He's president of that seminary down there. Pray for God's hand on him. Let's pray for all of those in mission places of responsibility. Pray for Calvin Namkin. Amen. He and Sanchez, Brother Sanchez, John, Juan, Juan Sanchez will be here first week in August. We need some place for them to stay. I've been praying that God would lay that on somebody's heart to open a home or to provide some money so we can keep them in a motel. They're gonna be here a whole week, Sunday through Friday, and they need some place to stay. May God place that on someone's heart even tonight to provide the finances for a motel, or open your home for that dear, those people, those precious people. But pray, launch out into the deep and pray, praying unusual things. I believe if we will, if we will know the answer, God will show it to us someday. I believe one of the reasons we had a great service this morning is because somebody paid a price in prayer. I believe the reason those 120 people professed faith in Christ down in the Rio Grande Valley is because somebody paid the price in prayer. I believe that healing, thank God for our physicians and doctors, but healing comes in response to prayer. And souls get saved because of prayer. And churches get built because of prayer. And when God sees that we're hungry enough and we're thirsty enough and we're anxious enough and we're longing enough to see the work of this church go forward and grow and to see buildings built and to see that activities building and to see facilities for the Christian school and he sees God's people on our knees in prayer, God's going to answer. Prayer moves the heart of God. And the only way earth can influence heaven is through prayer. And God answers prayer. So I want to ask you to launch out in the deep in prayer. Let's launch out into the deep in compassion. Look in your Bible at Matthew chapter 9 for a moment. Matthew chapter 9. In verse 36 to 38. But when he saw the multitudes, that's the Lord, he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord, of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Do you know that every time you, word, you see the word compassion in the Scripture, it's connected with being moved? <laughs> compassion moves you. And so on, I ask that we launch out into the deep in Compassion. A kind of love that moves people. Do you know why this team went to Texas? They didn't go for a vacation. Would you in a thousand worlds dream of spending 30 hours on an old, hot, stuffy bus in 107 degree weather on a vacation? And then going and staying in a roach ridden motel? I thank God for the news you can go, we can can stay somewhere else next year. They didn't do it for vacation. They did it because their hearts were moved with compassion. And many others in our church had their hearts moved with compassion. Some provided some funds for some to go. Many of these provided their own funds and sacrificially invested in order to go on that trip. Oh, God, move our hearts with compassion. Move our hearts with compassion. I was in a revival meeting in Owensboro several years ago. I'm sorry, it was Lewisport. And uh, after a service one night, a man said, would you go visit such and such a person? We wrote his name down. I said, you tell the pastor, and I'll go with the pastor there. And I I believe that's the correct way to handle that always. And so the next day, the pastor and I went over there out in the country. We went way out in the country, out in the gravel road, up on the hillside, and found this man and we witnessed to him, we gave him everything we knew how to give him from the word of God about how to be saved. His heart was cold as stone. He just sat there and listened. He said, well men, thank you for coming, but I'm not interested, I'm not gonna come to the revival, not interested. We pled again, we got on our knees and prayed, got up, he was as dry eyed and cold as he could be. We left. The man at church asked if we went, we said yes we went, but he, he refused the Lord. Toward the end of the meeting, that man was greatly burdened. He came in the revival meeting one night with tears, and then he said to the pastor and to me afterwards, would you go again? And I felt impressed to say, you go with us, and we'll go again. And so we appointed a time, and this dear man went with us. The three of us went. And we went up and knocked on that man's door. I think the only reason we got back in the door was because that other man was there, he was disinterested, totally disinterested. When well, we knocked, and he courteously invited us in. We again presented the claims of Christ. He said, man, I told you the other day I wasn't interested. I'm not about to, to get saved. I'm just not interested. I don't care anything about it. Don't want to hear any more about it. We prayed. We got up to leave, and this, this man that had come and requested that we go, he was so moved, he went over and stood by the man that he knew, He put his hand on his shoulder and his lips began to quiver, and he said, Joel, I'll call him Joel, he said, Joel, I've lived near you for 30 years, and I've never tried to win you to Jesus. I asked these preachers to come, oh, Joel, won't you be saved? Don't turn your heart against God. You know what happened? That man got broken. Tears came in his eyes. He said, I didn't know you felt like that. And we got down on our knees, and the man was gloriously saved. Why? It wasn't the preacher's. It was the compassion of a man that cared for that man's lost soul. Oh, God, help us to launch out into the deep in compassion, in care, in love for souls that are lost and on their way to hell without God. Lord, move in our souls with compassion and care and love for other people. Now, give me a moment or two longer. I want to talk to you a moment about launching out into the sea of opportunity. The sea of opportunity. Launch out into the deep in the sea of opportunity. Oh, everywhere there's a need. There's a need. The song says, throw out the lifeline. Across the dark waves, there is a brother whom someone should save, somebody's brother. Oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline? Well, the lifeline comes in many different forms. You can throw out the lifeline of compassion, I plead with us to do that. We can throw out the lifeline of soul-winning zeal, and I plead with us to do that. And each Thursday we have soul-winning teams that go out, and other days in the week, thank God for them. We can throw out the lifeline of soul-winning concern when we meet in the church service and pray for souls. But I want to tell you there's some other things. For 30 years now, you have thrown out the lifeline by radio. The Anchor broadcast is in its 30th year, thank God. Every Sunday morning, the morning worship service is broadcast on WLBJ, and it has been for many, many years... That's a lifeline. That's throwing out a lifeline of opportunity. I believe God would have us on television. And immediately somebody gets scared, and they say, well, that costs a lot of money. Launch out into the deep. There has never been in all the history, the 33 years of this church's life, there has never been a time when we had money stashed away in the bank, and we said, we can finally afford to do this. Let's go do it. Never. Never, never, when we moved to that house on Jones Avenue, some of our people had to mortgage their homes to pay payments on that house. When we bought the property here, we just bought it one lot at a time. Did you know that? We, that's in the minutes of the church. We bought it one lot at a time. We took option on some other lots here, but just one lot at a time because all the money we could conjure up. We built the first building. We We floated our own bond program. Praise God we've never tried to do that since. Floated our own bond program. $30,000 worth, it took us a long, long time to sell that. And we moved into that building in debt. It didn't have any basement, it didn't have, I mean there were no partitions and no, there was dirt floor and all that. And little by little by little by little by little by little by little, God's people had faith to say, let's go on, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And a lot of elbow grease. And some of us working, painting, and putting tile down, and all those kind of things. And then we built other buildings. Never. I'm thankful that some churches can move into their buildings debt-free. God bless them. Thank God for that. I'm for it. But it never has been the case at this place. And I want to tell you, we need to launch out into the deep in providing the material, the equipment for television. Did you know that we can be on cable television and it'll cost nothing, nothing, not a thing, except our equipment that we need to own in order to get on television. And I believe God's people here can do that. Launch out of the deep in opportunity. Working, doing everything we can to raise the funds and get the $10,000 needed to get the equipment for the television, and we can do it. God will bless, but he's waiting for us to get at it. Geraldine Smith is a member of our Silver Circle. She went with us to the royal ranch last year we had the time of our lives it was wonderful and we met up on the stage that our men had built and uh, but they had to walk over those little stones and cobbles you know to get there and miss geraldine said well we ought to concrete this and so she has been praying that god would lay it on the hearts of our people to give it's going to cost about 1200 dollars if we'll do the work. Cost t- over two thousand if we get somebody else to do it. And she said the other day to me, she said, I've got eight people that have made commitments uh, toward that. And she she said, I'm gonna get some others. I believe God will honor our request. If we'll go out there and concrete that place, God will provide it. God will take care of it. Let's launch out into the deep in provision, in in, in opportunities. We need some we need some buildings out there. We need some cabins. We, the, 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 the very base thing we need is a restroom and a shower house. And I believe if we'll do it. Just do it. Get at it. God will bless. Launch out into the deep in this opportunity to serve Him. We need a gym for our school. You imagine having state champions in our school and they practice out there in the parking lot. And the paper, they did a good job, I think. They sort of made fun of us and talked about the way we have to practice. And we've done that for these years that we've had a high school division. Our school needs a gym. And how are we going to get it? Launch out into the deep in opportunity. Just do it. Get at it. Go at it. And God says, I'll take care of it. I'll be with you all the way. I'll not let you get out there and forsake you. I'll be with you. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Launch out into the deep in opportunity. We went into the Partners in Progress program. One man told me it would split the church to do that. Thank God for people that gathered around and worked at it. And we have over $91,000 that's come in in that program. And you're seeing some of the effects of it right here. We just launched out into the deep and did it. And I'm pleading with you tonight, cast out there a little bit farther. Get out of the shallow water. Launch out into the deep. And like Peter, we'll say, now, Lord, I've fished all night. I've done all this. And I've put out the advertisements. And we've invited people. And we've done this and that and the other. And we haven't caught much. And the Lord will say, all right, launch out there in the deep. Now that may mean buying some more property here and building some more buildings right here. It may mean finding a piece of property somewhere. Just a moment. Let's launch out into the deep in the sea of separation. The Scripture says, and these are the words of our Lord and of His Apostle. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, listen to this, He said, and I want to read it like it says. He said, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're living in a day when anything counts, anything goes. You can just do anything, you can dress any way, you can do anything you want to do and it's Okay. You wanna be gay, fine, see some of these politicians and they'll make it all right for you and they'll agree with you and they'll say, America, let's do away with these old foggy ideas and we'll have a platform of anything you wanna do, you can do. Well, I'm gonna tell you that's not godly. And godly people need to be aware where these political candidates stand. And take a stand for biblical truth. We're living in a time, we're murdering little babies. We need to be separated from that. We're living in a time when it doesn't make any difference what men and women wear. Now you won't like this, God bless you anyway. I believe the Bible says that men ought to look like men, women ought to look like women. I'm so proud of the groups that were on the, on the platform a while ago. We've taken groups to Washington, D.C. every year since we've had a high school. I've told our young people that they need to dress according to standards, biblical standards. You'd be amazed and shocked at what we see from other, young, other schools and other Christian schools where kids just don't care what they look like. I was taught when I was a little boy to wear the best I had to church. I want to tell you, I went to Bible school at Victory Memorial Baptist Church in blue jeans and patches and holes in my shoes. It's the best I had. But when I got something better, I wore something better. Back there, back there we wore knickers. Any of you from that age, the dark ages? Like George Washington wore, wore socks up to here, and then you wore pants down here, had an elastic band around, wore knickers. Oh, I was so glad when they went out of style. But that's the best I have. I remember, and I've told you this before. I remember going out one day and saw our neighbors eating watermelon. We didn't have watermelon. It was in the P- Depression years. I'd never tasted it. Now, it's hard for some of you to believe, just like you hardly, hard, can hardly believe that I grew up in an age when they didn't have television. Never saw television until after World War II. Well, I saw these neighbors eating that watermelon and I like, oh, it looked so good and uh, then I saw them put their rinds in a garbage can in the alley I went down that alley and I got some of those rinds I, I didn't know that it was wrong to do this and I took them back to my backyard and I sat down and began to eat the rinds of, those, of that watermelon my mother looked out there and saw that I have a wise mother. She didn't scold. She didn't say, oh, you might get some disease. She didn't say anything, except she said, now take that watermelon back and put it in the garbage, and you wait a few minutes. She left home, and with hard-earned, hard-saved money, saved for difficult days, she went over to the grocery and bought a watermelon, brought it home, cut it up and told all of us kids, there were five of us to come and eat watermelon and then she said, she said children I want you to know that you don't have to eat out of garbage cans I got to taste the watermelon and I learned a much more important truth that you don't have to eat out of garbage cans and I want to say that to Christians you don't have to eat out of the garbage cans of life you don't have to eat out of the cesspools of life You don't have to go down to the movie houses to find out what's going on. You don't have to go to the X-rated things and turn on those midnight movies on your television program to find out what's going on in life. Get somebody that's godly to talk to you about it. And you don't have to experiment with sex to find out there's something wrong with it. I've never been bitten by a rattlesnake. I didn't have to be to know that rattlesnakes are dangerous. I don't ever expect to be every time I go in any kind of place, especially our royal ranch. I get me a staff, get on the property, put that staff down on the property, and I say, now, Lord, there's not room for the snakes and me both here get rid of the snakes. Now, you may think this is funny. I have never seen a snake out there. Some of you all have seen these snakes. Try what I'm doing. Ask God about it. Tell God to put them back in his hole, those holes. And I want to tell you, you do not have to tamper with the filthy, trashy things of this life in order to know that they're wrong. God, help us to launch out into the deep in separated living, godly, holy living. Baptists were talking about holy living 1,800 years before they ever heard of holiness groups. We believe in a holiness, holiness of life, holiness of lifestyle, holiness of what you look like. Look like a Christian. Smell like a Christian. Walk like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Dress like a Christian. And don't get mad at the standards. Don't get all upset and say, "Well, old preacher's just fogey. He don't want me to wear slits in the skirts. He doesn't want me to wear pants. And he doesn't want me to wear shorts. And what's left for me to do? Look like a lady." Look like a man. That's what I want to say to you. And you won't be sorry at all. You'll be glad. God bless you. Some of you get mad at me and won't want to come back. I pray you'll get glad. Mordecai Ham used to say, nobody glad, nobody mad, no meeting. <laughs> Let's launch out into the deep in the sea of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness. Turn your Bible to Micah. Micah chapter 7. There are two wonderful verses tucked around, tucked away in the last chapter of that verse, of that book. Micah 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like unto thee, who pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. 72% of the earth's surface is covered by ocean. The average depth of the ocean is 11,500 feet. At its greatest depth, Nero Deep, it is 31,614 feet deep off the island of Guam. If Mount Everest were dropped into the Nero Deep, the water would still cover it by a half mile. Now listen to this, you've got sins in your life, you've messed up, take your sins to God. And this book says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. He puts my sins as far as the east is from the west and he puts them behind his back and they're gone forever. You've got something in your past, in your background, some skeleton in your closet, something you'd be ashamed to show on a screen. Don't show it on the screen. Don't tell everybody about it. Take it quickly to Jesus. Ask him to cleanse you, to forgive you. And though our sins be ugly, they will be be covered by the beautiful white of God's cleansing. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have something in your life here today, something in your life that you can't forgive yourself for, or you got something in somebody else's life that you can't forgive them for? Take it to Jesus. See what he does about it. Launch out into the sea of God's forgiveness. I've heard that old thing, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. I don't know whether they mean by that. I can't forget the fact. That might be. But you can forget the bitterness. And you can forget all those old cankers that eat at your soul. And every time you look at this person, all you think about, all you see is what he did to you or what she did to you or the meanness that they were. You can ask God to take that away and he'll do it. it. Launch out into the sea of God's forgetfulness. Out of the sea, the depths. Launch out into the deep of forgiveness. I pray that we'll leave here tonight being forgiving people. Being forgiven people and forgiving people. There's nobody here that hasn't sinned against somebody else. There's nobody here that hasn't had somebody sin against you. There's nobody here that hasn't either accidentally on purpose hurt somebody else. There's no one here tonight who hasn't either by accident or purpose had someone hurt you. And you can hold that in your heart, and you can get mad, and you can be bitter, and you swell all up, and you can be ugly, and you can spend your whole life like that and die, dwarf, spiritually a dwarf. Or you can watch out into the deep and ask God's cleansing and God's forgiveness and say, Lord, I have told you, man. Corey Temboon tells the story in one of the most beautiful little tracks I've ever seen. She and her, her sister were abused in the Nazi concentration camps. Her sister died at the hands of the Nazis. She escaped, or rather she escaped death. And later when the war was over, God began to use her in an unusual way. And she began to go around speaking about the Holocaust and the people that survived the Holocaust. And she says, I was in a meeting in in Germany. And I was talking to these Germans. And she was talking about God's forgiveness and how God had, to, had helped her and helped her escape. And, and, and then she talked about how God had given her a forgiving heart. And then she said, suddenly, I saw a man there. And immediately the whole thing came back. This was one of the guards who had abused my sister and who had abused me. And she said, I was froze. I looked at him. And I thought, oh, I don't know whether I can forgive him or not. After the meeting was over, she was standing there shaking hands with people and the man came by. She knew immediately who it was and he said, listen, Miss, Miss Corey Ten Boom, you probably don't remember me and I don't remember you, but he said, I was one of the guards and I was so ugly and I had people put to death and I abused the women. He said, I've become a Christian. He said, I just want to ask you, would you forgive me? She stood there a moment. She said, oh, I didn't know whether I could forgive or not. And she said, it seemed to me like it was an eternity. I didn't put my hand out. All that bitterness and all that ugliness and all those mean things that he had done and the death of my sister and all those things came rolling back into my mind. And she said, I quietly said, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, she said, there came stealing over her heart a calm and a quiet and a forgiving grace. And she reached out her hand and looked him in the eye. She said, I forgive you with all my heart. She launched out into the deep in forgiveness. Oh, my friend, let us launch out into the deep, out there where the water is deep. And God will change our lives, and He'll change our minds, and He'll change our church, and He'll change our city, and He'll change other lives. We launch out into the deep. God will bless. God will bless. Last of all, and I'm finished. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I beg you tonight to launch out into the deep and stick to itiveness. And stick to and just keep right on going on. A lot of people quit. Quitters are a dime a dozen. On the ball team. If you don't play like I'm going to play, I'm just going to go home in the little boys marble game. If you don't play like I play, I'll take my marbles and go home. And we get big. And we say, somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody didn't show me enough appreciation. Or I just got tired. I'm going to quit. The Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, Therefore be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Launch out of the deep and stick to it in keeping on, keeping on, going on and on and on and on and on. Behind him lay the gray Azores, behind the gates of Hercules. Before him not the ghost of shores, before him only shoreless seas. The good mate said, Now must we pray, for lo, the very stars are gone. Brave admiral, speak. What shall I say? If we break, sight not but seas at dawn, you shall say at break of day, Sail on. Sail on, God. May we pray. Our Father, thank you for these gracious folks that have allowed me to empty my soul to them tonight. We pray that you'll help us to launch out into the deep in all these areas as a church as individuals as Christians somebody here tonight who is not saved, may they launch out into the deep in obedience following Christ stepping out for him loving him yielding to him God bless them some here who ought to follow their Lord in believers baptism help them to launch out into the deep in that faith and somebody here who is not saved May he come to Jesus tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. The Lord has spoken to our hearts tonight. I believe that because he spoke to my heart. It was not easy to bring this message. I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. Now, I want to ask you, many of you, to respond. First of all, if you're here and you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Jesus, I'd like to ask you to come tonight and just yield to him and say, Lord, I, I I know that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin, and I want to yield my heart to him tonight. Some of you have been saved, but you have not been baptized scripturally. You need to come and say, By the grace of God, I want to follow the Lord. In baptism. I don't want to shirk that responsibility. That's the armor of a Christian. That's the uniform of a Christian. The first thing a man does when he goes into the military, they furnish him a uniform. If he says I don't want to wear that uniform, they say you can't be in the military. The uniform of a Christian is baptism and fellowship in the church. I urge you to do that. There's some here tonight who really, really need to launch out into the deep. As part of this church, you need to form a a fellowship of the redeemed at the Glendale Church and say, by the grace of God, we want to launch out into the deep. I'd like to ask you not to come necessarily and say anything to me, but to just come and pray for our church. That we'll have the faith to launch out into the deep and do what God wants us to do as a church. May the Holy Spirit guide as we sing, I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross. What page is that? 384. The invitation won't last very long if you step out quickly. Do what God tells your heart to do while we